0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pocketnow Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Vergara. What's going on, everybody? Jaime is back on deck for this show as we both have a special guest on the Pocketnow Weekly Podcast. We have Ziad Asgar, the VP of Product Management over at Qualcomm, and he brings his expertise to talk to us about everything AI and, of course, in the context of the Snapdragon 888+. Now, some of the questions and some of the things that we talk about in this episode was made possible by the Snapdragon Insiders community. If you are not already a part of this community, you can head over to snapdragoninsiders.com and you can get exclusive access to the latest Snapdragon products and technology. So make sure you go and check that out. Jaime and myself might consider ourselves as a part of the Snapdragon Insiders community, which is why we were able to bring some of these questions to Ziad and be able to have a wonderful discussion regarding AI and the Snapdragon 888+. With all of that said, let's just go ahead and jump into this wonderful conversation that the three of us had for your listening pleasure. Enjoy.
1: Uh, as a good San Diego and what tacos tacos al Gordo or from where <laughs>
2: uh, actually there is a great place it's called the taco shop huh. All right. so you have to try it and I think See, the pro- probably the best tacos that I have tried in San Diego and uh, if you guys are experts I think you will appreciate it is one, this the
0: one is this the one that's like connected to a gas station
2: uh, I, I don't think so, but there okay. are a few. No, I'm thinking of there a, there a few. It has to be connected to a gas station for <laughs> it to be genuine see <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Is right. proximity no. to a gas station adequate or no? Mm. <laughs> All, right.
1: All right. How about how about like for example, what was your favorite technology growing up?
2: Yeah, I think uh, growing up, I don't know. It's it's a fun uh, thing, but. Uh, the first computer that I ever had was a commodore sixty four huh. and i 'm sure many of you guys uh, probably had a similar experience and you know the fun part on that thing was you know I used to have a tape drive and I would load a game, it would take me fifteen minutes, and it would freeze so it really taught me a lot of patience. I could tell you that much, but uh, <laughs> I must say, with the abilities that that commodore sixty four had the devices in the pockets in our hands are like you know so much more capable than what those things could do at that point in time. Uh, but yeah, so gaming was definitely something that was uh, very cool and continues to be very very cool. I mean, uh, you probably have seen this this uh, the phenomenon of gaming in China, where oh, there yeah. are stadiums full of people, you know, yeah. sitting and watching people play. I mean, uh, it's pretty pretty impressive how far it's gone on the handheld. I think
1: we should probably even date ourselves. How many megahertz, <laughs> if any, or kilohertz were on that Commodore?
2: Well, 64 kilobytes uh, is kind of the, the, the RAM on that thing, I believe. <laughs> so, my, so my
1: first computer had 75 megahertz. It wow. Was a, it was a 386. It had four megabytes of RAM at the time.
2: I mean, uh, they, we have come a long way, and uh, actually, I even had a computer before that. Since we're dating ourselves here, uh, which was the Sinclair Spectrum. It was, uh, oh. it was, I think, a British company that uh, I heard that. And believe it or not, I learned how to do basic programming on that. So it oh, wasn't nice. all fun and games. Actually, it was, uh, it was good fun that we had. Yeah.
1: Ha, tell, tell me more about that. Like, what inspired you to get into the technology field? Because I, I did BASIC early, yeah. and I, I'm making videos. <laughs>
2: No, no, I think uh, it's very cool stuff that you guys do too. No, I think uh, it it was just something naturally that attracted me always uh, to technology and honestly uh, like I said in the beginning, I wasn't really just joking. I think if people are looking, or I talk sometimes to uh, you know, high school students and all, but if you're looking for something that's exciting and interesting, it's definitely uh, just something that uh, gets your attention, right? Every day there's something new happening, not just at a technology level. Within the industry, even from a business perspective, there are so many moves that are made on a daily basis that people do in the whole semiconductor industry that I think it's just uh, super interesting, especially if you're a techie.
1: All right, as a techie, If you were stranded in the desert right now, (laughs) uh, you know, aside from a scoop of ice cream, what piece of technology would you bring with you?
2: You have to have your smartphone, right? I can do everything on device, and uh, uh, it can probably help me find water, if nothing else. But yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say,
0: I mean, that Commodore 64 probably sounds like a good one to have.
2: (laughs) 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 Believe it or not, if you are interested, there is actually an application that simulates all the Commodore 64 games that I believe is available on Android. If you really want to relive that time, yes. I will look into it.
0: (laughs) Isn't that crazy, the stuff that we played on consoles and whatnot back then? It's it's right here on the phone. It's in our pockets.
2: Indeed.
1: Final hard-hitting question. Heroes as you were a kid.
2: Oh, yeah. You know, I'm going to kind of date myself also in a different way, but there used to be Actually, it's funny, you mentioned this today, we have a WhatsApp group where we talk about this stuff with my old high school friends. And there used to be these cartoons that was actually a Japanese animation, uh, and it was uh, Conan, if you guys have ever heard of it or not. But this guy could swim like a fish. I mean, as a kid, I I mean, it was just unbelievable to watch those cartoons, but definitely that guy was one of the heroes, but uh, uh, interesting stuff.
1: Nice, nice. Now, we're not gonna hear which ones were your favorite, Josh. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Data's out, man.
0: Uh, Yeah, I agree. I'm over here just saying, you know, I I understand these references, but I don't know if I can relate to them fully. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I have a very loaded question because I need it answered for myself as well. So I'm going to ask you, Jaime, how much do you really understand about AI? I think that the
1: topic has been brewed a lot for the past, what, like five years? Um. But, uh, you know, aside from everything we've heard in science fiction, which I think just does disservice to the topic and the concept, not much, to be
0: honest. Mm -hmm. So it's probably really good that we have our guest on for today. Uh, you could see him right in the middle, right here on our three shot. We have Ziad, uh, Ziad Asgard. thank you so much for joining us from all the way from Qualcomm. And I was actually saying right before the call that I think I recognize that room you're in. <laughs> ah. <laughs> we have visited your campus on many an occasion, but Ziad, welcome. Feel free to introduce yourselves to all of our listeners and viewers. Um, the
2: floor is yours. Awesome, thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh You know, what I do for Qualcomm is uh, essentially looking at all the different technologies that go into our products. And one of the key ones that we're really focusing on nowadays is artificial intelligence. In addition to that, you know, the best in class cameras, amazing gaming experiences on our devices. We basically create the roadmap for those technologies and then take them and put them into specific products that go into our end products that are, in this case, semiconductor products. Uh, so I do that, and uh, honestly, every day there is something new and exciting going on at work. So, like I normally joke, it's like uh, you know I get to have fun, and they pay me for it. So it's a pretty good situation, I must say.
0: Uh, that
2: does sound like the best
0: situation, definitely.
2: <laughs> I'm actually gonna
1: gonna interrupt a little because, uh, you know, for us when when we were when we started the whole discussion about having this this interview and everything, I I was like the first person to be like, okay, we definitely do need to do this, mainly because. I'm the first person that wants the most simplistic and basic answer for what is AI, or at least the, the state of AI, like right now. And I, it, it's a basic thing, but it's mainly because, I mean, we grew, I grew up watching Terminator 2, I, you know, Skynet's robots. They still have not taken over the world. And it's just, I feel that it's, it drives skepticism that is completely unnecessary. Like, I, I would really appreciate, you know, a simple, basic question, what is AI?
2: Sure. So do, are you really sure, by the way, they haven't taken over? I'm just kidding. <laughs> but basically, think of Asking it this Asking the right questions. That's, that's <laughs> I'm, what I'm looking, I'm
1: looking at my smart speakers. I'm looking at my smart lights. <laughs> like You tell me.
2: <laughs> so essentially, artificial intelligence is this umbrella term that we have coined that basically talks about machines that have intelligence, as in being able to sense what's happening around them to be able to reason based on that and then to even take some actions and you know that umbrella term is artificial intelligence so anything that is able to do that and as you can tell we are not there yet honestly a lot of this thing these things get bundled under artificial intelligence but really there are subsets of artificial intelligence the first one being what we call machine learning so think of machine learning as you know when you typically program something you go ahead and say and use certain if-else statements to tell the machine what to do, which means, well, if you see a car, and if you're an autonomous car, you stop. Very high level, right? But what machine learning means is that now you don't have to explicitly train the machine to do that, but you can actually, or have to program it, but you can actually give it data that it's able to learn based on that. That's deep learning, or rather machine learning. And then the last level of that where we are today is what we call deep learning. Where we, do, where we use uh, neural networks to be able to do some processing that allows machine to take certain actions. So my point is, we're really far from that high-level generalized artificial intelligence that you might have seen in movies, still in the early days, and nothing to worry about at this point in time.
1: <laughs> but this is, uh, technically, it's something you, you know, when you tell me that, some, that a machine is learning to a certain degree, that, pr- that also means that you are programming it With limits on what
2: to learn, or? or? Yeah, I think it's a very good question. See, think of it this way. You know, I have young kids, and, you know, I never have to tell my son or my daughter that, you know, this particular word means an apple. You basically pick up an apple and you say, hey, do you want to have an apple? It's almost like that, where you basically show the machine a lot of data and you, what we call label data. So you'll say, well, these are all pictures of apples. And the machine, over time, creates a model, or what we call a neural model, to say, well, anything that looks like that must be an apple. And that's what I mean by training. And typically, artificial intelligence or deep learning has these two categories. You train a machine by giving it a lot of data, and then it's able to infer based on that training that it got. So that's kind of the two major different parts of artificial intelligence or machine learning that we see today. Hmm.
0: So it seems like there's so much going on in the background uh, when AI is working to enhance so many parts of our mobile technology. But here's the thing. Um, My question here is that I feel like a lot of people with their daily lives using their smartphones or whatever the technology may be kind of takes all of this for granted. And like we mentioned earlier in the show we may not fully understand what AI is actually doing for us. So I guess my question is, what real-world examples would you be able to give us um, on how AI is truly making a difference in our daily experiences with the smartphone or really anything else?
2: Agree. So that's a great question. But I can assure you that today already, the phone or device that you have is applying artificial intelligence to improve every experience that you can imagine. So let's say if you're a smartphone user, it is improving the way that the phone is able to receive audio. It's improving it the way it's able to, you know, do echo and noise cancellation on it. To be able to actually understand what you are saying and based on that, be able to do certain things. It is able to improve your photography experience by a huge, huge margin, what it used to, do, used to be able to do. It's going to improve and it's already doing it on the video next. It is improving that on what we call natural language processing. In the future, this will also happen with gaming. It will happen with security. But I'll take at least uh, you know, one example where, think of it this way. In the past, the sensors on a smartphone or on a security camera, they really used to be dumb. What that means is they would capture whatever light is coming into them, but they never knew what that light stood for or what it meant. With AI or with machine learning, we're giving those cameras, those microphones, the ability to be able to understand the data that they're capturing. So just think of it, what that allows you to do now, right? So if the camera knows that what it's capturing is this uh, face right now, so it knows, well, this is skin, or it might know this is fabric, or it might know these are hair, and based on that, you can process it very differently. Hmm. Or if it knew that the audio that it's capturing is is an audio that's uh, a happy audio or if there is some concern or an alarm must be raised. These are just very basic examples that tells you that as you enable your devices to be able to understand the the stimulus that they're getting, they can markedly improve the use cases that we have on them. Mm. All right, I'm
1: I'm, I'm actually, this is like the perfect segue for the the next question that I had because probably where I've heard it most is in photography. Like, uh, you know, we've heard how I know that I know that you know smartphone cameras, particularly digital cameras per se, they don't behave like in the past. You know where it's a, it was a negative of whatever yeah. it would capture, and it would make an imprint, and then you would have to develop the negative. I know that smartphone camera sensors. I even saw a video where I, I realized that smartphone camera sensors do not work at all the same. Um, so I do know that the processing, the software portion of it, and even the hardware have a lot to do with what we get in the final result. And I, I would really like if you would, you know, if you could elaborate more on how AI takes control into all this process. In addition to just, you know, one thing is it tells me, uh, you know, it tells me what skin is or what what something uh-huh. is. But how do you, how do you teach it to be better? Like how how does that make a difference?
2: Sure. So, like, one great example is, I mean, if you just look at the capability that the cameras have today in terms of being able to capture images in low-light conditions. I mean, that's a very good example on how artificial intelligence has allowed people to take out a lot of the noise that might be there in that image. And it's a very simple idea, right? What what you are able to do in a, in a dark room, for example, we can take a picture always with long or short exposure. So what you do is that you train that camera by training it with long exposure, which means it's able to get a lot more light in versus what it's seeing with short exposure. And then when you train that, okay, this is the dark image and this is what the image should look like, you actually train that neural model to be able to take out a lot of the noise from the image, for example. Mm -hmm. But that's just one example. What we're able to do is we're able to get depth information. So all the things like, you know, things like bokeh effect where you're able to be able to get the depth information out of the image and be able to separate the front Uh, portion of the image and what's in the background and create those amazing experiences or the fact that you can actually, you know, a typical smartphone has three different sensors on the back usually. There's a tele, there's a wide, and then there's ultra wide. To be able to now, uh, you know, stitch together those three images in a fashion that the user does not even realize, all of that is using AI technology. And I'll show you a very, or I'll rather, uh, uh, you know, explain a very simple use case, what we had launched uh, maybe two years ago. You can literally take a camera and what we called it was smart cropping. So you take an AI, neural model, you train it as to what is an aesthetically pleasing picture. And it will take that image and basically cut it out in a way that the picture now looks a lot more aesthetically pleasing than it would, than it would otherwise uh, the way that the consumer had uh, shot that picture. So there is like so many levels of improvement that we are seeing, uh, especially in imaging and video, uh, that you know all of our consumers, our customers are super excited about it. So, so you're the reason I'm, I've stopped using
1: my professional camera for photography. I guess absolutely. The best. So I I was and and I and I hate to like, just provide an example, but like I was I had this experience where I was in the Vatican City and I you know I started taking photos with my, at the time I had a Panasonic G eighty five, and I had an LG, I think it was an LG V thirty, and it was simply because even I could definitely tell the difference in like texture and certain elements. But the way the LG was able to capture light in a lot of scenarios would mm-hmm. just save me a lot of work. So you're say, so pretty much that's also part of what AI is doing. It's it's literally adapting the camera to become a better point and shoot. I guess is
2: the best way to say it. Oh, absolutely. So there is another example where you know, especially I'll take I'll pick on my kids again, right? It's very difficult to take a picture of a kid because well, they can't stay still. Uh, well, the good thing is we have actually again a use of AI where you can automatically zoom. And even if the kid is running away, it's able to stay focused on that image, keep it exactly the same size by being able to go to different levels of zoom without you needing to do anything, right? There are so many such levels. And the key part is very interesting what you said about your experience at the Vatican. The processing that we have in a smartphone for camera, the the amount of computational photography that we can do is so much more than what a typical standalone camera, even a SLR has, and that is why I see exactly what you're saying. I have two DSLRs sitting at home, and now I've moved to basically just using my smartphone for at least the last two to three years. This is a very uh, hot topic among uh, a community that
0: you guys uh, guys actually have, the Snapdragon Insiders, who I would actually say that Jaime and myself are a part of. After all, we are asking these questions as well. So as far as this insight into low-light photography, this is really great. Um, If I could switch gears just a little bit, though, um, we are talking about the capturing of photo and video, but um, can I ask you to dive a little bit into how AI is helping the consumption experience because um, as I've heard AI is actually helping when it comes to me viewing various forms of media content whether it's on YouTube whether it's streaming Netflix anything like that Um, how is AI actually enhancing my consumption experience as someone who watches and listens to a whole
2: lot of stuff oh yeah absolutely many different levels so in the past think about it if you were trying to do a search at a video level well, it was very difficult to, uh, you know, label what was in a video. Well, you can actually learn, you know, run an AI algorithm, and it's going to be able to figure out all the different keywords that are there in the video. Well, there is a kid running or playing uh, soccer or what have you, right? You don't need to basically do that actively yourself. Uh, from a consumption perspective, another very important aspect that we see, especially as we're working on some of our products that go into cloud inference engines, uh, just imagine that somebody's uploading a video on you know a platform like Facebook, and you know there are hundreds of thousands of those videos that are being uploaded at any given point in time. Well, how do you ascertain that those videos don't have content that is basically questionable? Well, you run an AI algorithm on those with a platform like the Cloud AI 100 that Qualcomm has, and it's able to parse and be able to tell you if there is something questionable that's going on. At the same time, there are like so many different levels of it. right? Another key capability that AI provides is it can actually improve the quality or resolution of a video. So for example, you might be in a location where you don't have that much of bandwidth on your device. Well, I can send and transmit that video to you at a lower quality. But within that device, within that smartphone or, you know, uh, within that uh, tablet or what have you, I'm actually able to upscale that without the consumer knowing and still be able to show that at much higher resolution with much better quality. We call this super resolution. Mm. So there are so many different levels of uh, consumption experience. Also, we're improving each and every one of those. And, you know, every day we have meetings with our customers who want actually more and more in terms of use cases that AI is bringing on the devices that we could never do in the past.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize the whole super resolution feature was like AI at work. That's so fascinating. And, of course, a lot of these features are all being powered by the chipsets that Qualcomm, you guys, actually make. So I think that's a perfect way for us to get into uh, one of the cruxes of our discussion here, and that would be the Snapdragon 888+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't have the pleasure of actually using one of these processors in my devices at the moment, <laughs> but what I did yeah, want to add... We yeah, to we, do need to, we do need to fix that for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, with this being your latest flagship processor um, and the sixth generation now of your AI engine being a part of this brand new flagship, can you tell us more about what this new
2: edition or this new version or update is bringing to the table? Yeah, so Snapdragon 888, uh, or uh, like we c- like to call it, the Beast, uh, is really a yes. great okay. product, honestly. <laughs> OK. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, what we have gonna, done is.
1: You're going to have to tell us why you call it the Beast.
2: <laughs> There's, it's, a, it's a bit of an inside joke, but honestly, the capabilities on this product from every perspective, whether it's artificial intelligence or graphics or, you know, uh, camera, you know, for example, on the camera, now we can actually capture 120 12-megapixel 120 images in one second. Wait. What? Yes. That's how powerful the camera subsystem is in this device. So just Whoa. give us some context, like how much was it before? So this is basically an increase of almost 30 percent. You know, in you know, in techie terms, it's 2.6 gigapixels per second wow. of processing that this guy can do on the camera nice. side alone, right? Now wow. you couple that with with the AI piece, and with the AI, we have you know enabled almost 26 trillion operations per second. Just to put it into perspective, like you asked, the previous uh, product that we had was able to do. Uh, you know, just 15 tops, and now we've come out with the 888 plus, actually. that actually pushes that up to 32 trillion operations per second. To have that amount of AI processing capability in the palm of your hand is the reason why we call it a beast. What we've also done along with that is a completely new architecture where you have taken, you know, the way we did it is we have multiple accelerators inside our AI engine to be able to map it to a way a neural, uh, you know, engine looks like. So we have what we call scalar, vector, and you know, tensor processors without that, within that accelerator, and we've increased the performance of all of those. And at the same time, we can do three times more processing in certain scenarios for the same amount of given power. Hmm. Now, if you're talking about a device that fits into the power of your hand, that last part that I mentioned is absolutely critical. Yeah. And along with that, we've basically redone all the software stack to be able to leverage this amazing hardware that we put into this product.
1: I'm actually going to make a little, and if you don't mind, we could probably just dive a little bit deeper into it because, sure. you know, uh, you, this is not the only chip you make. Um, uh, and every single, you know, we, we go to, we've been to Maui a couple of times and we, I think I've, I've seen one of your presentations and, you know, a lot of the discussion is like that, what you just mentioned right now. Like, in, for example, you've mentioned it a lot in numbers, uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the, the consumer, what they hear is computational photos, computational mm-hmm. video. Yep. Like, high dynamic range. Yes. Like, can you, you know, in layman terms, like, the differentiation of this 888 plus, you know, in comparison to, I, I, guess, I, I guess what I'm asking is like a more real, real world example of how that, a, a consumer could feel that in, in, in the phone whenever they buy it, for example.
2: Absolutely. So, you know, we, we do things like, uh, I, I think the first part of your question is to do computational photography. So, like we talked about, right, now we can actually process what we call high dynamic image, images. What does that mean, really? So, right. if I were sitting right now in a place where I had a backlit window, and by the way, I see a lot of that on the calls that we have nowadays, you can barely see the person's face, right? Yeah. That's exactly the high dynamic range problem. We're doing but our best are, over here, Ziad. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what we can do with our devices? We can actually capture those with sensors that are very advanced that what we call staggered HDR sensors, but without that detail, we are actually able to take three different images or multiple different images and be able to combine different part of that frame where there's more light or where there's less light to be able to create a picture that is pristine, even though there might be a very strong backlit sort of a scenario going on in the picture. That's just one example of it. And, and all this but in the, real time. All this in real time, and all this mm. happening at multiple frames, and then you couple that with AI to reduce the, the, the noise aspect that I talked about in low light scenarios even further. So, all of this processing comes together in like, and that's why you need so much AI processing on the device. You know, we didn't talk about it as much, but you know, uh, if you were there in MABI, we talked about use cases like, uh, you know, on-device translation, another great yeah. example, right? And then, think about, you know, being able to talk to a person anywhere in the world, but that person is not able to speak your language. And the phone is able to basically, in real time, translate from your language into a different language, and the person on the other hand hears that different language, and you guys can have a conversation, for example. Right, that's another great example. Now, why do we need this much level of performance from an AI perspective? Now, these things that I talked about, right, like segmentation to be able to understand different parts of a frame, or to do HDR, or to do, you know, portrait modes. We used to do that on a, let's say, a single frame for still images. But now, if I need to do this processing for every frame in a video, that you're capturing at 30 frames per second or 60 frames per second, well, you can envision now I need 60 times more processing. Right. But the key mm. is you must be able to do at a performance or at a PowerPoint where your device actually still lasts the whole day. Exactly. And that's like, what it,
1: we it, excel at. It, it's one of the biggest problems. Like, you know, every single time that we go out testing phones, it's usually the case where we're, we're going to run out of battery by 2 p.m., just because of all the photos and all the videos that we're taking. And so for somebody, you know, I know that for a lot of consumers, it's a, uh, you know, it's a pain point to yep. you to consider that their phone, you know, their phone takes great photos now, but they also have to worry about the battery life for them to call on their Uber later for them to get home after they've done all their touristy uh, things. And I think it's one of the reasons why, you know, there are people that will still default to having a camera. Um, and so uh, that this, Thank you, like that's exactly like what I wanted to like understand like how how usually i get the I guess the perception or the misconception that we have is that the more powerful the chip, the more power consuming uh you're telling me that one of the benefits of the a eighty eight plus is the complete opposite
2: then so what we excel at at Qualcomm is exactly what you mentioned to be able to do more processing at the lowest amount, at the lowest power consumption, because that is how you make that device last the whole day. And by the way, that's the great advantage that Qualcomm brings, right? This pedigree of being able to do low power processing, we can actually take to other new segments that we are going into now, for example automotive and other areas, Mm. and that same advantage and those same techniques that we have learned over many years, we can actually apply them to those new areas and bring those benefits into those new end products. I love the way that this is all contextualizing things because
0: um, It makes perfect sense that with something like, as you so affectionately called, The Beast, you are able to do (laughs) these features or these capabilities that may have been around for some time, but now to be able to exponentially increase the ability by which each processor is able to have. Because one of the questions that always comes to mind, at least for me, is just how much really are we getting with each new iteration of the Snapdragon? But now you're kind of telling us that it's it's like 10, 20, 30 times fold that we're getting the same capabilities, but now it's able to do way more of that. So I love that we're contextualizing it in
2: that way. Great, and and, you know, by the way, like I said, right now my team is focused on designing the new technologies that will be coming into the product for like four to five years from now. Mm. So that's the fun part of it, right? So we still see so much happening, so many new capabilities coming on, year-on-year year that uh, it just uh, makes uh, makes the work that we do a lot more fun honestly.
0: Yeah, like diving into a specific let's say feature or capability of these processors, uh, one term that I always hear when we talk about these processors is the sensing hub and uh, I guess if we can dive a little bit into that in particular, yeah, um, from what I remember, it has something to do with elements like audio and voice and stuff like that. So uh, if you can kind of tell us how the sensing hub actually affects consumers, uh, what it does for consumers, I should say, uh, within the Snapdragon 888 Plus or any of the other processors that you had it in.
2: Right. So I talked about you know, the beast capabilities from an AI perspective. But what you also need is for something that's able to do, that the phone is able to do in the whole day. What I mean by that is like, uh, for example, when your phone is just sitting, and what we're able to do with the Sensing Hub is bring in data from audio, from the microphone, from the video, from location, and be able to create this contextual picture of what the user is doing. Well, what is a good use case of that? So a great use case of that, for example, is that let's say your phone is sitting and it's uh, 2 a.m., and the phone is able to process that sound that, for example, it's a child crying. Well, that's something that you may wanna alert a certain person or you may want to uh, alert somebody that hey, they should take some action on that. So that's a very small example of it, but another very good example of that is that sensing hub is able to see the ambient noise that you might be in and, for example, just go and increase the volume that you might have your own f- on your phone such that you'll be able to hear the ringtone even though you might be in a very, very noisy environment, for example. So you can just envision the number of things we can do with this. There are so many health and safety things that we can bring in. For example, that contextual hub or the sensing hub with the artificial intelligence capability in it running at extremely low power, by the way, this is much lower power level now, can sense that you are driving. Well, there are certain things that probably you should not be doing when you're driving. All oh. of those things can come together with a sensing hub. So that's what we are building together in that so, sensing. hub.
1: So this is the reason why, when I'm driving, Spotify automatically switches into the driving mode. That's how it so you're telling me because here's the thing. We hear a lot of companies provide features, but I guess it, we, I guess I particularly did not know these were actually Qualcomm technologies.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh yes, so we we are specifically focused on enabling exactly those kinds of use cases. What we call always on use cases, and but to make them always on means that you must be able to lower the power to do that processing because well it needs to be always on, which means it has to run at very very low power. And again, that's the Qualcomm uh, pedigree and the Qualcomm advantage that we are able to bring.
1: Tell me more about that because I, uh, you know, we've been diving into power efficiencies and everything. And again, I I think that it's just the I think that the the paradigm that we've had lately is that the more power, the more cooling you need, the more hardware you need, the more thermal envelope or the bigger the product or the bigger the battery life. and it's that whole mentality of bigger is better. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I've spent the last six months using the Snapdragon A88, uh, nice. which is the chip that you launched uh, early this year. and on a phone that's half the size. And I have, you know, I've I've dramatically noted increases in battery life while I'm still, you know, I'm still using my phone the same way, and it's my job to use the phone. So, I, you know, tell me more about how, you know, how does AI actually, like, how does AI know when to be more efficient, when to be less efficient? Because I'm even noticing, for example, that my, my phone senses when to charge. Like, even mm-hmm. if I connect it to the charger, it will automatically adapt and tell me, you know what, it's better to charge later or or stuff like that?
2: So this is again a great uh, application of AI, for example. So the way we are able to do this, I talked about the engine there, the 32 tops trillion operations per second engine. Think of it as the big engine. So we have a very big engine that's for very intensive use cases, but then we have a very small AI engine also that sits in the sensing hub to be able to do that always on like processing, right? So that's how we are able to cover both. But specifically, as an example of what we're able to do with our uh, power-saving techniques, you know, as you know, we have uh, recently launched some Windows and Snapdragon products. Right. So just imagine, right? You have uh, a Windows, you have uh, you know your old device most likely, and there is a fan that's you know blowing at some insane speed, yeah. and all of our Windows and Snapdragon can do all of those functions, but there is no fan in them. That's a that's a exact example of how we can take that power saving advantage that we developed on the mobile side, but then when you apply that to a new area, it brings a whole new experience. You basically don't need to carry your charger with you. The device lo- you know lasts the whole day. It's always connected. You know these are the kind of examples that we are able to bring, uh, especially with that uh, power saving uh, technology that we are baking into our products.
1: Yeah, uh, that 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 would be probably my curiosity. Like I, I know that you you know aside from the Snapdragon 888, but you've already brought these technologies also to windows and and that is one of the major pain points just changing that paradigm that bigger is better or or should i say that bigger is the only alternative you have if you actually want to work the whole day and so you've been able to do it with phones and I, i'm really curious about the you know concepts or or projects when it comes to computing as well
2: yeah so i think we continue to focus on i think of it this way that uh Each and every engine that you have inside our product, we are basically optimizing it in every generation to be able to do more and more. But you talked about specifically on the side of uh, computing uh, or on the side of compute-like products, uh, if I understand your question correctly. uh, Basically, think about it, right? How many times in a day you write up an email and you say, for example, well, it would be great for us to meet up and discuss this why isn't our device smart enough well i can just add a little bit more ai to that device and guess what it can actually do that and go and set up that meeting automatically another great example that uh, was also demonstrated uh, and it's very relevant nowadays is you know what we call gaze correction so for example uh, you know when you're looking at uh, your screen at work and you're on a video conference call it seems like you're looking down well you can just take that image and fix that gaze and it seems like you're looking at the person now. I mean, there's mm. so many examples on the productivity side that AI application can I- increase or improve the experience in just in a very, very amazing way. So you're right, saying are... that
1: we, we should have done this interview with a Snapdragon product. <laughs> That's because pretty much what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're going we're gonna to need to work on that because, yeah, that's, that's a major pain point. Like, true. Uh, and to a certain degree, because it's been the normal lately, I guess we're just used to the fact that we know that the webcam is on top, but people are looking at the bottom because we're looking at the person who's talking to us to a that's certain right. degree. But it, it, it no longer feels impersonal, but true. Wouldn't it be better if it was?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, by yeah. the way, there are so many other such applications, but with our AI advantage that we have on mobile, we are taking all of those into compute like product like Windows on Snapdragon to be able to bring those advantages to those customers. Nice. You know what, I, I do wish I had a Snapdragon processor on the computer that's right in front of me because it sounds like it's going to
0: take off into space right now. And that's- <laughs> <laughs> I told you, man. You can-
2: you can also use this as a cloth uh, you know washer uh, clothes dryer if you want to. I mean there are many advantages with these things yes. indeed it's keeping my uh, cup of tea hot over on the side. i'll tell you that much there you go uh, but yeah <laughs> uh,
0: so we're 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 basically getting a glimpse into just how far AI can go and in how many products it can actually be uh, it can actually be in uh, with the proliferation of AI I think it's also important to talk about things like security and privacy. So mm-hmm. while AI might make digital assistants smarter, or in the case uh, that you said earlier with the sensing hub, it is able to listen and contextualize where it is, that way you can actually perform certain functions. But how, would, how does AI itself actually contribute to uh, what we're doing and how is it affecting, per, perhaps,
2: uh, my privacy or any consumer's privacy? I think it's a great question also. The way this happens, or used to happen, if you remember in the past, for example, if you were just you know, uh, you know know uh, dictating a message on your device, the device would basically take that audio, send it out to somewhere on the cloud, the processing would happen on the cloud, and then the result would be sent back to the device. Well, with the AI capability that we are baking into our products, you don't need to do that. That mm-hmm. content stays on the device, you're able uh. to process it right on the device, and then be able to use it. And that is a much more efficient way and a lot more secure way uh, to be able to process the data. And that's why we always say the right place to do AI processing is on the device for that reason, because your data stays on the device. Now, coupled with that, what we're able to do is we also launched in our 5G technology a few years ago. And now with that 5G, the amazing throughput and the low latency that you bring, you can actually take the intelligence that's in one device, be able to share that with another device when there isn't a privacy concern, And soon you have a whole network where there is intelligence spread out throughout the network, and you're able to tap into different parts of it when you need more and more capability for Mm -hmm. something that might not be a concern from a privacy perspective. Another thing we did with the Snapdragon 888 also was, we actually launched what we call the Content Authenticity Initiative. And what you're able to do over there is a picture, you can actually basically put a seal on that and say that this picture is exactly how it was captured and has not been tampered with. Oh. As you know, I mean, I, you oh. can take a picture today and basically be able to modify it and make me do or say anything using AI. But that's how we are able to make sure that that content is pure and it's not tampered with.
1: No, I, re- I remember that was one of the major major topics in 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 the in the Maui presentation in the last one that we were at, where you were discussing just how important it was for. I, I guess it would be digital authenticity is the best way to. Yeah, to put that's it, right. For people to be able to trust what's done digitally because, yeah, on Photoshop and with deep fakes, like you can really like it's really hard to trust the video now. It's that's really right. hard to trust the photo now. Um, but you know, let me let me go back. Let me go back a little into on device because, you know, it, there's 5G and then there's the New York City subway. which is still impenetrable until the mta fixes that part but i'm you know i'm curious over the on device because for me aside from the security benefit and the privacy benefit it's a convenience benefit the Mm. fact that i can actually be able to use my phone if i've you know that there are most of the elements of the digital system will be available to me even without the network that for me is major
2: Yeah, that's a superb point, right? I mean, you don't need to be in a place where you have a connection at every point in time. Your device is still able to give you all the experiences that you're used to, even if you're not connected, right? Because, well, it's doing the processing on the device, and that's available at all points in time. So, absolutely right. That's so interesting.
0: And I do have one question, like, to dive a little bit deeper into this particular topic. So mm-hmm. if, if the AI and all of the data that it's already using in order to perform its functions is on device, obviously you have to provide it with said data. But as far as its ability to grow, to learn even more, we talked about machine learning and deep learning before, um, how much of it is required that you add more data to what the AI can perform with each new iteration? And how much is it able to actually learn on its own, to evolve on its own?
2: It's a, that's a very good one, and it's actually an area that we are really focused on, which is on-device learning. Mm-hmm. So you would not do the full-up training that you do, typically, because that is very, very intensive and usually happens in server farms. But what you can do is what we call, uh, one example is federated learning, for example. So I'll give you an example. When you use your keyboard, and especially if you're using Google Keyboard, it actually uses something called federated learning. So it's actually optimizing for the way you might use your keyboard or the words that you might use. So it's basically tweaking the model based on exactly what you do on your device. And then it might actually share a very, very synthesized version of that to the core model that sits somewhere in the server without exposing any of your private information. It's a very Mm. good example of how you will start to see some degree of on-device learning happening. And I think it's a really exciting area because to kind of what you said, it actually enhances many of those capabilities. It customizes those experiences to you, the user. And I think that's where we're going in the future.
1: This is the perfect segue, because actually I wanted to talk about that future. I mean, our lives are becoming continuously more digital. I mean, we we do wonder, like, what are the next challenges for AI? Like, what is Qualcomm working on next when it comes to this? Like you mentioned, for example, the fact that you're working on stuff that's going to happen five years from now. I mean, we don't mind any insider information <laughs> on this podcast. Feel free to say anything you want right here. Sure.
2: <laughs>
0: it's not like we're recording this or anything. No. no. absolutely. It's not like anybody's listening in. That's right. No,
2: no. Uh, no I think uh, the, the areas that we're looking at and just uh, super exciting stuff. Think about it this way, right? So right now, when you want to kind of immerse yourself into the world around you you have to of course do it through things like virtual reality but now what you can go into as time goes by is into augmented reality devices now this may take the form of you know some sort of glasses that you're wearing but it can really make these experiences just completely seamless but you can imagine right you need to be able to identify things that you are looking through and then to be able to augment on top of that all of those are AI problems At the same time, let's take the example of you playing a game in the future, and you're playing that game using artificial, uh, or rather augmented reality. So what you can do now is, You know, typically you hold a device and you're able to press certain buttons to play the game. No more. You can actually point at a character in the game. You can talk to the character using natural language processing because, well, that's a capability that we are doing. Based on how you're playing the game, the game can actually change the plot of the game, make it different, make it more interesting. Or it can change the textures that you have in that game. All of those are examples of what we have coming up. And I always like to talk about, uh, you know, there is a notion or a, a concept of AI for good. So there was this engagement that we did some time ago with, uh, with a company in India, where you can actually take your smartphone camera, put a small adapter on top of it with a lens, and it can actually look inside the, uh, the eye of a person and be able to detect, for example, things like uh, diabetic retinopathy, which is a condition Whoa. which deteriorates wow. the eye. Now, this might be an environment where people don't have those capabilities or they don't have access to uh, you know, healthcare very readily. Well, with something like this, you're able to help those people. Another good one that we are looking at with a partner right now, actually, is based on the way I'm speaking, we can actually detect your respiration and detect some respiratory conditions, for example, even like onset of COVID, for example. So there is so much that's still to be pa- tapped, especially from a health perspective, uh, that I, I'm just really excited about, uh, you know, we already have the enablement. We're just taking the next steps now to bring those use cases to the front. Same. That that level of excitement that you're, that you're showing
0: us here is something I wanted to actually ask more personally. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to see AI come through? Like, uh, obviously, we see this vision of what Qualcomm is going to be able to do at large with AI in the next five to 10 years. But what is your broader scope? What is your... Uh, intention for AI. What are you excited personally to really see it evolve into?
2: Yeah, I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about how, you know, use cases are enabled with AI. What I personally really uh, am looking forward to is another angle or another dimension of application of AI. Mm. What we're focusing a lot on is applying AI to technologies that we have multiple technologies into inside our products. So I'll give you an example. Now we can apply AI to even the way we design our silicon products we can basically optimize that flow we can you know do faster timing closure for example on a chip that we are working on so the levels of application of ai are basically at use case level but it's also at technology level and now it's going even at the product level we can apply ai to be able to make our 5g modem even better our leading 5g modems can now detect signal from even more complex conditions with the application of AI, for example. So that facet of AI is what we are really working quite a lot on developing as we're going further out in time.
1: So yeah, can I say something? I I think this is probably one of my favorite shows, honestly, (laughs) and (laughs) and I apologize if we've let you talk so much. Usually it's more like a conversation thing. Uh, It's just, all right, a lot of this is crazy fascinating. I really, really appreciate the insight, honestly.
2: No, I enjoyed the discussion. I think it's always uh, great. Uh, I think we get ideas as we discuss these things for even our future product. So please keep them coming. Oh, we Uh, we
1: can provide
0: ideas, no problem.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we could definitely do that. And like I was saying before, being able to
0: contextualize all of these like very. Technical and very specific details, uh, so that we can share it with our audiences, is, is very fascinating, and you're really great at explaining all of it, uh, so that even people like I and myself can understand it.
2: <laughs> no, no, you guys, uh, I think understand the concepts very well, and uh, I really enjoyed the discussion. No, Thank but
0: you. I think this
1: was necessary. Again, like it's it's one thing, and and we appreciate it, and obviously. It's one thing to be at a presentation and for to hear this is what the chips can do. But obviously it all you're providing the capability and it really depends on companies to be able to take advantage of your IP and take it to the next level. And you know, we've even seen Qualcomm get to the point of doing the opposite. It's like, well, not all comp- companies have taken full advantage of what these products can do. So you know what? Here. And, you you know, <laughs> you've provided certain solutions that we've seen over years. And I I'm, I guess my last question would be, I'm curious, like, uh, is there any, you know, any ideal or, or any point where you guys are headed where you think that it's you know, this is just the next thing that we need to do because it's clearly, your technology is probably a little more advanced than the capabilities or, sorry, than the usability standpoints that some companies are giving out.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, like I said a little bit earlier, we have that enablement, for example, to take these, uh, you know, kind of the technologies or the building blocks that we are developing. And for example, if we could now apply this, and which we are doing, by the way, to a great extent, to IoT products, for example. Right. Where, you know, You know, you're trying to, uh, there's somebody at the door. Well, you know, a dumb camera just keeps pinging you. Well, somebody passed by. Well, with AI, it can actually detect, is this a safe person or not? And if it is a safe person, it can probably give access to the house to that safe person too, all without you knowing. So the way I look at AI is it has the ability to take away probably a lot of the mundane things that people have to do in many cases. Right. Like one example that we look at is, you know, you can see the number of cameras that you might have in certain countries at a, at a cross-section on the street. Well, there is. it's not possible for a person to be, you know, sitting there and watching all those streams. Well, guess what, an AI product like the Cloud AI 100 that we have, It can actually look at that video, it can parse it out and say, well, maybe two cars came very close, so maybe there has been an accident, for example, at at that intersection. Or to be able to take away a lot of those, you know, uh, rather boring and mundane tasks and make them much, much uh, uh, better and allows people to do more interesting uh, things that really require human intelligence more than artificial intelligence. Interesting. So now we have a special segment
0: here uh, that it was an open prompt that Qualcomm put out for the community that we mentioned earlier. Um, Snapdragon Insider, shouts out to all of you who might be watching this or listening to this right now. So uh, one of the questions that was posed to the audience was the Snapdragon 888 Plus 5G mobile platform is the ultimate in AI performance and it's coming soon to a device near you. What burning questions do you have about AI and what it means for how you game, stream, listen, or watch? So we did get a few responses that we're going to go through right now. All right. So our first one here, as we know, AI basically learns on its own and keeps updating itself to get better. Is it possible that OTA updates can be provided that enhances the capability of AI? This was actually this is actually somewhat related mm-hmm. to the question I asked earlier. This is a this this is a thought that I definitely have had as well. So, Ziad.
2: Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about it, kind of in the uh, in the context of federated learning. But think about it that yeah, we can absolutely do that, right? But what I was trying to explain is that we can do that over the air sort of a change, but we can also do that on device as time goes by. And I think if we keep privacy and all into uh, in our minds, then probably, as we start to do more of the on-device learning, I think that probably would be uh, a better path, but of of course there could be scenarios where the data is not of uh, private nature and then absolutely it can be done uh, too. So you can envision that you can actually provide a new neural model to be able to do better noise uh, suppression, for example, in in an imaging scenario. So absolutely something that's doable. Can I I add to that question? Just uh, Mm -hmm. um, has this been done already and we just didn't realize? So uh, in the case that I, I mentioned, like in the Google keyboard-like scenario, yes, it's already being done to uh, to some extent. But mm. I, I think the maybe the question wanted, yeah, the, the, this, there will be a lot more of that happening. I feel. Okay, uh, so yeah. our second question here um, is.
0: One thing that we users aren't satisfied with is the battery, no matter how big it is. <laughs> uh, so it is, uh, So is it somehow possible that whatever we're doing, the AI would literally kill all of the background processes and concentrate on what we're currently doing to enhance those optimizations and
2: the battery? That's actually a prime example of what AI can do from that uh, you know, uh, contextual picture that it has of the consumer, right? For example, you're driving. Well, maybe your Wi-Fi should not be running anymore, right? There are things of that sort that can automatically be done depending on what the consumer is doing. And I think uh, we actually have uh, done some of that work and some of the improvements that we are actually doing on the device uses AI to be able to understand what parts of the engine should be running, what shouldn't be running, what should be turned off in the device. All of those are actually very good applications of AI that are being done already. Mm. I think this uh,
0: this actually is related to what we were saying earlier that we see features happening in the operating systems of our smartphones, but in reality, that is a Qualcomm technology working in the background. Uh, in reality, um, that's that's really interesting. And then our final one for uh, for this is um, there are some drawbacks of AI that we did see with which is the microsoft ai that uh i'm not going to go through what happened there but <laughs> if someone bypasses the security and reverse engineers the process making the AI, the ai do similar things can that be prevented can security be provided through ai if our data is being collected unknowingly and we get notified
2: yeah i think i kind of alluded to this uh, earlier but the application of ai as it Applies to newer and other technologies is absolutely an area that we are focused on, and kind of the example that you mentioned, AI can actually look at what is happening on the device. Is there a lot of data that's being transferred? Is something on those happen? Is something on those lines happening? So that can absolutely be something that AI monitors. But I want to say that our products, the way we define them, security is front and center, and we make sure that our devices and the content on that is super secure. Uh, like One of the things that we launched with the Snapdragon 888 was the ability to be able to do you know, uh, what we call hypervisor or to be able to run multiple applications in different OSs even. It's a very good example of how you can completely carve out a part of the experience on the device to maintain security. So yeah, we have a lot of technologies baked in to make things more secure, but AI can enhance that further, absolutely.
0: Mm, Wonderful. Okay, Ziad, thank you so much for the answers to those particular questions. And thank you to the Snapdragon Insiders community for providing these particular questions for us to discuss on this podcast.
1: I am going to provide other questions. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, yeah, we want to thank you once again for being a part of this episode, this podcast, this video with us. Thank you so much.
2: We would love to have you again. Um, we whenever. would really
1: appreciate to have you again, honestly. Yeah, this, this, was is, great. this is
2: a lot of fun. So definitely would like to do that sometime again.
1: This definitely has to happen again, because I feel, I, if anything, you have answered absolutely all of our questions, but I've been left with even more questions. I, that's how vast and complicated the topic is. And I, I just have to, can I just say, I, I do have to congratulate the work that you do, because to a certain degree, the fact that consumers don't need to understand this is only a good example of how well you do in having that blend into the background. And that, mm-hmm. that is, you know, I remember as a, as a, you know, in my 20s trying to get people to like, not get people to like tech as much as I did, but, you know, technology, you know, you had to, it was like a, a niche we were part of a niche, and it was very difficult for people to be techies. And now people are techies with, but without them feeling that they are. And I think that that has a lot to do with what you guys have been doing at Qualcomm.
2: No, thank you. But uh, honestly, it's a very large team uh, of engineers. They work on different parts of it, so you know, kudos to all of them. Uh, but I think to your other point, I think technology is probably much more interesting when it's abstracted to some extent, right? It should not have to be in your face and still does sure. what it's supposed to do. So I think that's, uh, that's what uh, is great about AI.
0: Well, I hope we can all break bread or tacos uh, at some time soon if we're all able to get together to see you and the wonderful team over at Qualcomm as well. Um, Before the machines take over, yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) 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 Well, thank you, Ziad. And with all of that said, we're going to go ahead and get into the outro for this episode starting now. A big thank you once again to Ziad Asgar, the VP of Product Management over at Qualcomm for joining us on this show. The three of us had such a great conversation about AI and the Snapdragon 888+. And like I said in the show, it's really great to have some of these very specific details about the technology that is in our smartphones contextualized so we can better understand them. Thanks again to Qualcomm for partnering with us and another thank you to the Snapdragon Insiders community. To be a part of that community, you can head over to snapdragoninsiders.com to join and get exclusive access to the latest Snapdragon products and technology. With all of that said, though, we're going to go ahead and call it on this one. Thank you so much for listening and hanging out with us on the Pocketnow Weekly Podcast, and we will see you in our next episode.